Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Hey, Tom Hartman here. Thanks so much for listening to our podcast. It's supported by advertising. So after this brief message, we'll get right into it. This portion of the Tom Hartman podcast is brought to you by BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color. Chewable. FDA-approved active ingredients in Viagra and Cialis, now in a chew. Right now, there's a special deal. Visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code TOM. Just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Promo code TOM to try it for free. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Well, that was a remarkable, absolutely remarkable town hall on CNN. I hope you were able to catch all of the candidates giving their pitches, and I would love to get your feedback on them. If you watched the CNN town hall last night on climate change, frankly, I thought this was more informative than any of the debates we've had so far. We had an opportunity to actually see candidates for president of the United States, Democratic candidates for the president of the United States, take questions, give answers, get challenged. This was far more useful to me as a voter, as a potential primary voter in the Democratic primary. This format, I realize it was seven hours. Some, It wasn't actually seven hours because they broke it up and there was news in between and, you know, quack, quack. But... But basically, you know, it, it spanned over a substantial period of time from the afternoon into primetime on CNN. I've got a couple takeaways from this, and I want to get to them, and I want to have a conversation about them. The thing that I was very impressed by virtually all of the candidates, I think everybody brought their A game to this, with the exception of Joe Biden, which really concerns me. And if you are a Joe Biden supporter and you watched the town hall and you watch Joe Biden's performance, I would love to hear from you as to why you continue to support Joe Biden. I'm, you know, I've been scrupulous up to this point about not trying to insert my own opinions into this Democratic primary. Um, I have my, my own personal opinions about, uh, you know, who would, who would be the best candidate or the best candidates. And, you know, I've, I've, leaned publicly and on the air on a number of occasions toward Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders because they're the two candidates who are polling above 3%. And I'm basically 
you know, anybody who's polling under 3% right now, uh, you know, with all the exposure that these candidates have had with, with four days of debates, you know, two complete sets of debates and newspaper articles and Internet and everything else everybody's been doing, I think if they're under 3%, they're probably fairly marginal and they're not, you know, they don't have a shot that, that they're really running for a cabinet position or for Senate or, you know, whatever to raise their profile, and, you know, which is fine. I get that. The one exception to that is that if Joe Biden drops out of the race and after watching his performance last night, I, you know, I was sitting there, Louise and I were sitting there just with our mouths open. I was like, if the whole country was seeing this, and, and I realized the whole country wasn't. I mean, you know, CNN at any given moment probably has a few hundred thousand or maybe at the most a million viewers in some of those day parts. But this was early prime time. It might have been even a couple of million viewers. I think if everybody was seeing this, that it would be the end of Biden's candidacy, in my opinion. He was rambling. He was forgetting where he was in his thoughts. One of the very first questions is, why are you leaving here to go to a fundraiser at the home of a guy who is the co-founder of a liquid natural gas company, a fossil fuel executive? And Biden was like, well, I don't think that's the case. And then they came back and said, well, yeah, it is the case. And then Anderson Cooper kept fact-checking him. But it wasn't the fact-checking that flipped me out. And it wasn't the, the open reveal that, you know, Joe Biden's taking big corporate money. He's done that his whole entire life. What shocked me was his answers to the questions. They were non-answers. And in many cases, it seemed like he was just totally confused. We all talk about how Donald Trump is slipping. You know, there's something wrong with Donald Trump. Well, last night really flipped me out. I mean, I'm really concerned. If Joe Biden is our nominee, that Donald Trump is guaranteed a second term. As incompetent as Donald Trump is, and I realize these are really strong words. This is a singular moment. It just blew my mind. And I was watching on Twitter, I was watching the, the hashtag, you know, climate, I think it was climate town hall, was the hashtag on Twitter. And what I'm telling you right now is what I was hearing from person after person after person. I mean, it was just like Twitter blew up on this. And I'm very concerned. Who else did you see? What did you see over at Daily Kos? Andrew Yang kind of won the Daily Kos straw poll. Elizabeth Warren came in second, Bernie third. But I thought all of the candidates, uh, Kamala Harris allowed herself to get caught in this trap that Anderson Cooper tried to catch Elizabeth Warren in about, let's talk about plastic straws. Let's talk about light bulbs. You know, people like those light bulbs that are shaped like candles. You want to take those away from people? Hey, I've got LED light bulbs that are shaped like candles. It's a BS argument. It was the talking points of the fossil fuel industry that the moderators kept throwing at these Democratic candidates. Now, you could, you know, it, it kind of pissed me off, frankly. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, you know, these are the exact same kinds of fossil fuel industry talking points that will be thrown at the general debates and at candidates in general because the fossil fuel industry and big pharma basically, you know, fund the media and they're not going to ignore that. So it was infuriating on the one hand, but on the other hand, it was so cool when Anderson Cooper said, well, you know, what, what, about, what about light bulbs? The other one he said was, you know, you want to take away people's gas-powered cars and make them drive electric cars that are slower? And I'm like, what? 
I mean, I, I've got a plug-in Prius that goes 30 miles on pure electricity. And when it's on pure electricity, I stomp on the gas pedal, and that thing can lay rubber. That, th that thing takes off like, like nobody's business. I've, I've driven in several friends' Priuses, and they're like a rocket ship. It's like a jet taking off. You're pinned back in the seat. When I flip my Prius into gasoline mode, I can't get anything close to the pickup I've got in electric mode. And so I tweeted, you know, obviously Anderson Cooper's never, never driven an electric car. But, you know, again, we get these fossil fuel talking points out of the CNN guys. But, you know, I thought Elizabeth Warren pushed back brilliantly when he asked her about the, you know, the whole light bulb thing. And she was like, really? Seriously? I mean, you want to talk about that and straws when, when we're talking about the fossil fuel industry producing 70% of all the poison that's, that's in the atmosphere? I thought it was great that several people during the evening pointed out that intensive animal agriculture, and specifically meat, was also a major contributor to the climate change crisis. So there's that. Number two, I wanted to point out, 21 Tories have now left Boris Johnson. And the Conservative Party kicked them out of the party. 21 of them said, you know, Boris, you're nuts. We're not going to go along with this thing. We want to have a, yes, we want to have Brexit, but we don't want to have a hard Brexit. We want to have some sort of negotiations with the European Union so that there's some sort of reasonable transition into British sovereignty. Now, that's interesting for us as Americans. Gee, look what's going on in the UK. But it raises a much larger question that nobody in the media is asking, which is why is the same thing not happening in the Republican Party in the United States? Why are Republicans not standing up to Trump? Why are they not saying, you know, this guy's nuts? And frankly, I think it's because of the power of, of big money. In the UK, they limit the ability of billionaires and corporations to own politicians. As I recall, and I could be wrong on these numbers, so please, you know, double check them, and I will try to double check them a little later on in the program. But as I recall, when an election is called, there's a six-week maximum campaign period, and there's a limit to how much money can be spent on those campaigns. And I have, I, I recall a number, but I'm not even going to say it because I'm not certain of my facts, so I'm, I'm going to stay in that regard. But as a result of that, it's a lot harder for billionaires and industries like the fossil fuel industry to own politicians in the UK. It's, not, it's still possible, and it obviously happens, but it's a hell of a lot harder there or, and in any other developed democracy in the world than here in the United States. And so here in the US, you've got Republicans who are still cowering before the gun industry, and I'm going to get into that a little later in the program, and still cowering before the fossil fuel industry. And still going like, and we'll find out if Joe Biden's going to do this fundraiser tonight at the home of the co-founder of this liquid natural gas company or not. But their handout to the corporate group. We've got that in the United States. They don't have that in the UK. Which brings me back to the point that my, my final point on the, on the primaries, you know, and I was mentioning some of the secondary candidates. If Joe Biden continues his performances like in the climate town hall, if he continues to lose track of where he is and seed time because he can't remember what he was saying and things like that, if that continues to happen, right now Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren have about 40% of the Democratic vote locked up, which means 60% is up for grabs. Joe Biden's got about 20% of that 60%. So if Biden goes down, 
Then the question is, who fills that place? Who is also willing to take corporate money, but is, you know, still a good Democrat? And I'm guessing it's going to be Kamala Harris. But I'm also guessing that there's a couple of, you know, quote, marginal candidates, secondary candidates, people are pulling, polling two, three, four percent, and probably Amy Klobuchar is at the front of that list, who are staying in the race because they're thinking that it's possible that Joe Biden's going to go down and there's going to be a demand for a so-called centrist, somebody who's corporate friendly and who, you know, but who still has generally Democratic Party values. The whole thing is fascinating. Everybody's all over CBD oil, you know, and CBD oil increasingly is all over everybody. It's in creams and soaps and beer. And, but, you know, if you really want to use CBD oil, just get CBD oil. CBD oil is not intoxicating. It doesn't get you high, so you get the benefits of cannabinoids without medical marijuana. It's non-toxic. It has potent pain-relieving and anti-inflammatory properties. And the brand that I trust the most is New Leaf Naturals, NU Leaf Naturals, the highest quality CBD oil on the market, 100% organic, highly concentrated, no additional additives, grown in the USA, the only ingredient is hemp, and therefore the product is in its most pure and simple form. Go to newleafnaturals.com, that's NUleafnaturals.com, and save 30% off and receive free shipping in the U.S. when you use the code TOM, it's spelled T-H-O-M. When you use the code Tom at newleafnaturals.com, newleafnaturals.com. For premium cannabinoid wellness, there's only one place, newleafnaturals.com. That's newleafnaturals.com. Tom Harvin here with you and uh, Bob in Skokie, Illinois. Hey, Bob, what's up? Tom, I watched it last night, and that was exactly my reaction. He, uh, Vice President Biden, could not complete a thought without, it seemed to me, trying to inject one of the important points that he had been primed to make. And so he was cutting himself off in the middle of a thought. Over and over and, and it, over again. I mean, it's impossible. He was just a no I, I mean, it right. seemed like every, uh, even within one, each question, he was doing it. Yeah. And it, it was happening for, I don't know, I guess each, each uh, session was about 45 minutes, I guess. Um, I think they were between 20 and 30 minutes, actually. But Yeah, yeah I watched it, and I, I'm not really concerned because I felt from the beginning that as much as I like the guy and associate positive things with him because of Obama, that he's a little bit too old. And, in fact, I think it's quite striking when you realize that the comparative ages of, of Biden and Bernie and Warren, and they're pretty much, you know, in the same area, and how sharp Bernie was, how even sharper I thought Warren was. I'm not certain that this is an age thing, and I'm not trying to, to make that assertion. I, I, I'd like to take that out of the equation. Joe Biden has been... A, you know, rambling Joe, gaff Joe, literally from the get-go. The first time he ran for president in 1988, he couldn't get past the primary because of this. So, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, I think he was over-prepped. I think somebody tried to cram 100 facts into his brain, and, you know, half of them stuck, and half of them were just floating around out there, and he was desperately trying to grab yep. for them. Yep. And, and yep. I have done that myself. I've, I've walked into situations where I crammed, and I ended up, like, just confused. So when but, I do that, and I get the opportunity to do that, I always have note cards, too. Basically. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. and he, didn't, he didn't have that luxury. So, you yeah. know, we can cut him some slack in that regard. But, but in that case, 
it shouldn't be that he pulls out of the races. It should be that he gets new people prepping him because that, that, that yeah. was just terrible. Yeah. Bob, i got to move along, but thank you for the call. Jan in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hey, Jan, what's up? Hi. Hi, Tom. I enjoy your show, and I always learn so much. Thank you. I watched Biden, and I always give him a second chance and a third chance. But then I followed up with Colbert thinking he'd be more relaxed, and he was just as bad, and Colbert called him out on it. Really? I didn't see the Colbert yeah. show last night. I assumed that he'd be fine mm -hmm. in a, just a casual environment. Well, the audience adored him, and he ate that up, and he was trying to be funny, but Colbert really got to a lot of good questions that we never hear on any other cable news. Right. I can give him an explanation for all the stammering, because he had a stuttering problem. So getting past that, he doesn't come up with anything new. He's so defensive that he starts to raise his voice. But the one that really turned me off is talking about Obamacare and taking credit for it. This is what I did, and I made Obamacare happen. And I'm like, what? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think we also need to keep in mind uh, Barack Obama initially campaigned on single-payer health care. I've got the I, – I can play the clip of it. So. Yeah. He did not handle that donor question that that gentleman offered him, and right. he didn't even know how to squirm his way out of it. But Elizabeth, I found, was a little too manicky, even though she's mm -hmm. she was up there like Professor, very informative. But I was most impressed with Yang. He has some great ideas. I hope he's an advisor yeah. for whoever wins. Yeah, I think the odds of Andrew Yang being the nominee for the Democratic Party are zero because right. he has no political experience. And, and you know, I, I don't think, poli you know, politicians, people inside the Democratic Party or voters, for that matter, are willing to take that big a chance. I mean, at least be on the city council. Pete Buttigieg is a mayor of a small town. I mean, that, that some credibility. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, Kamala Harris has worked her way up through the ranks. I think she has a good shot. A lot of these people, you know, even Amy Klobuchar. Um, but, you know, my big concern with Joe Biden was that he was he was over prepped and and he he's the old Joe Biden from the from the last couple of times he's run for president where he just has has a challenge, a problem, you know, stringing thoughts together and things. And I, I, I just I'm well, concerned that that even Donald Trump could eat his lunch in a debate. But well, we'll see. also, I thought he was underprepared or he just forgot. He yeah. loses his train of yeah. thought. Yeah, it was one and of the other. Jan, Jan, we're starting to get redundant here, so I, I need to move along to another okay. call. Thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. Um, uh, let's see here. Di uh, is it Dinah in uh, Lakewood, yes, New, New Brunswick, uh, New Jersey? Uh, yes, it is. Um, hi, Tom. I love your show, and thank you so much for uh, finally letting us speak our mind on our views on some of the candidates. So, uh, and let's not turn uh, this into a Biden bash. I mean, I, I don't. No, 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 no. I'm not. I'm not at all. But um, the uh, idea that age um, is even an issue is not an issue. It's all about policy, and uh, Joe Biden. Uh, definitely completely blew it again last night. He's absolutely old enough to know better on every issue. He has about a 40-year track record in the Senate, and um, he is uh, bringing up things that he had worked on, legislation in the 80s and the 90s. He seemed out of touch, kind of clueless, a little lost. 
definitely uh, right from the start up back on his heels and was in defense almost scolding the audience I you know in defense but then trying to ease up and be casual yeah. he didn't know where to find his footing again and frankly the most important thing in this day and age he's old enough to know better consent is never a joking matter whether it's regarding females males and children and the fact that he keeps using it as a stand-up bit to get laughs and applauses with a, a room full of men at um, retired union uh, conferences. He has uh, been disingenuous and misleading on Medicare for All. He actually, at an AARP conference, had stated that um, it would destroy Obamacare and that there would be an absolute lie he was telling at an AARP conference. Which well, Medicare for All would destroy Obamacare, Dinah. It would replace it. I know. Well, it would actually improve on it, but yeah, people who aren't educated in the actual policy and the implementation of it, um, you know, that, that, you know, it's... They think it's, that means their health insurance is going to go away. But he has a 40-year yeah. track record, and he knows better yeah. to, you know, speak not crystal clear. He oh, And one more second, um, he mm. also was vice president for eight years. So he has about 50 years' experience. Um, it is no one's fault but himself that he's not prepared and doesn't know how to express his points. And frankly, from day one when he announced that he was running, he should have not just had a five-point plan, a 10-point plan, a 20-point plan. He has a 50-year horrendous uh, track record. Well, he's, uh, Joe's done a lot of good things, but, but you know, he hasn't but, yet but really taken compare, on his support for the Iraq war. He hasn't taken on his authorship of the student right. debt But if uh, we bill. compare that to uh, uh, Bernie, uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who has fought for uh, labor rights. Or Elizabeth rights, Warren, or, or Kamala Harris, yes. or Cory yes. Booker, or, so, I mean, yeah. or uh, Julian Castro. I mean, there's, there's some very, very good candidates out there. Dinah, thank you for the call. I, again, I, I, uh, on the one hand, I don't want to turn this whole conversation into, oh, my God, um, you know, uh, what's going on with Joe. But I, I think that what has happened is that because he was vice president for eight years and just basically read speeches off teleprompters and things and was a nice guy. I mean, there's I, I've met Joe Biden. And Louise and I both have met Joe Biden. I mean, we've talked to him. I've, I, I, I've, I shook his hand. I mean, it wasn't, you know, it was a four-sentence conversation. But, you know, we were at a, at a, at a small dinner in Washington, D.C. There was, I don't know, maybe 50 people there. And, and uh, you know, and Joe was there, and he gave a talk. And then he came around and walked around to the tables and talked to everybody and shook everybody's hand. And, and you know, as he was shaking my right hand with his right hand, he's got his left hand on my shoulder kind of hugging me. I mean, that's just, that's Joe. He's, he's kind of... You know, like that. And he's very likable. He's a very nice guy. But I think that because he was vice president, we've forgotten what a, frankly, uh, ineffective candidate he was the three times, I believe it was three times, perhaps two for sure, but uh, the two or three times that he ran for president before when he didn't make it past the primaries. And I, what I'm seeing is the same thing echoing through. And it concerns me that, that I want us to have the strongest possible candidate. And and I, you know, uh, and I can I can give you the negatives of everybody. Right. You know, Bernie will be tarred as a socialist. And that actually is a negative. That's a that's a danger for the Democratic Party. If you know, if, if Bernie is the nominee that or that's going to be the danger.
Elizabeth Warren is, uh, she's going to face the, the challenge that every woman faces, which is, and I was seeing this on Twitter last night from men who were saying, oh, she's all screechy. Um, that's a terrible sexist, misogynistic hit. But, that, you know, she's going to face that. And, and frankly, I think she needs to dial back a little bit on the super friendly with the audience, as I said. But, but the, the uh, and, you know, Kamala Harris is going to take a hit on her, on her criminal justice stuff, on her time as a prosecutor. Every single one of these people has negatives. And, you, you know, you don't need me to tell you this. You're going to hear it from the Republicans over and over and over again, whoever the nominee is. But let's, in fact, let's reframe this conversation. Who do you think would be the strongest candidate going forward? Ingrid in Lebanon, Pennsylvania, watching us on Free Speech TV. Hey, Ingrid, what's up? I saw uh, all of it except for the last three. Hmm. And um, I was very impressed, um, like I knew I would be with um, Elizabeth and Bernie and Kamala. I really think she drove home the leadership issue, which was great to emphasize that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was... I, uh, Joe, I feel basically sorry for him, but I wasn't for him before the before this town hall last night. Um, I really think Elizabeth has such a grasp of the issues that she, I could see her. I, I think she'd be great against Trump. I know what the negatives can be, but like you said, everybody has negatives. Yeah, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, I agree. I think Elizabeth Warren, I think Bernie Sanders, I think Kamala Harris, I think Pete Buttigieg, I think... Um, Cory Booker, I think any of them could make mincemeat out of Donald Trump. Uh, Julian Castro, I think, you know, could could take him apart. Um, although I think that, the, the, the frankly, I, I, we're seeing the, this kind of crowd wisdom thing, and I think that there's something to it. Um, the, the people who are polling, you know, above 3%, which is basically, you know, uh, so far, is Biden, Sanders, Warren, and, and uh, Harris. Those four are all strong candidates, and but I, I am concerned about about Joe Biden. I, I it just you know it it just flipped me up. Anyhow, uh, Ingrid, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you, Jeff in Asheville, North Carolina. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hi, Tom. A few times, a couple times in the last few months, you have said on the air, concurred with me that Marianne Williamson would make a great, wonderful president, despite having. No political experience. Um, aside from that, she'll definitely be electable because reparations, of course, bring in the black community, and being a religious spiritual uh, person will bring in people on the right who are spiritual and religious. But I'd like you to elaborate to the audience as to why you think her political lack of political experience won't be a handicap. Marianne actually does have political experience. She she ran for Congress in in California. She's been involved in politics peripherally for a lot of years. She's uh, she has brought politics into her. Uh, you know, she does this regular uh, weekly. Uh, I don't know, I don't know if you call it a church service. Uh, you know, uh, in in Los Angeles has for years and years. She used to do it in Detroit. In fact, I filled in for her a couple of times in Detroit. And uh, so you know, I I think that she is a good person and a serious candidate. I think it's extremely unlikely she's going to end up the nominee of the party. But, you know, I've got nothing bad to say about her or, frankly, any of the other people who are running right now. And and even my concerns about Joe Biden's performance last night are more, uh, you know, okay, we're back to this old Joe Biden who ran for president a couple of times and, and couldn't get there because he kept fumbling things up. And, and uh, he certainly did last night in the town hall. And I, I was you know, frankly, very concerned about that. Logan in Sonoma, California, watching on YouTube. Hey, Logan, what's up? 
two things. One real quickly. Here's what I don't understand. Maybe you can help me with it. And then I want to end it with a quote from Lincoln that dovetails the liar in chief. What I don't understand here is, and if I give some, I'd like to give some unsolicited advice to Joe Biden and and his supporters. And that is, and and I don't hear it emphasized at all. And I help me with this. He needs they they need to emphasize his foreign policy experience. He has far and away more experience in foreign policy being the chairman of the Foreign Relations Committee when he was in there as senator than anybody in the field, let alone the liar-in-chief. Yeah, you're right. So Somebody help me with this. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, they, <laughs> I, I don't know anybody on his campaign, and he has uh, chosen right, not to come on our right. program. So I can't, I'm not the one who's, I mean, maybe he'll show up. We'll see. Um, I'm not yeah, going to be the one who tells away. him. Far and away. Thank you. Can I close with a quote from Abraham Lincoln? Certainly. Thank you. Lincoln said exactly this. Nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's brilliant. And that's what we're that's certainly what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Julie in Coletta, Illinois. Hey Julie, what's up? calling in on Andrew Yang. Okay, good. So I thought he did a phenomenal job. I agree. When he was on when he was on our program, I was very impressed with him. Yeah, and yeah, he had a really sharp performance and I think that he answered the questions pretty swiftly and concisely. In fact, I think it felt like he answered some of more questions than some of the other candidates who, in my opinion, kind of floundered a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Yang is just an absolute no-nonsense guy. He's, he's, he's not there to become your best friend, and he's not there to, to do any kind of song and dance. He's, he's just like, hey, I understand this stuff. Let me explain it to you. That's what he's right. doing. Yeah, and I was glad that um, Wolf was able to bring up his UB, UBI, which is, you know, his flagship Universal proposal. Basic Income, yeah. yeah. Right, and... Um, so I thought he connected that pretty well with, you know, not just economic disparity and crisis, but right. the climate change crisis. Yeah, yeah. So, I, you um, know, if he's not, I the, think he's right. You got to take that food off the neck, and and then people can kind of look up and see what's going on around them. I think he's absolutely right, and I, you know, I can't think of a single Andrew Yang policy with which I disagree. Um, again, I, I doubt he's going to be the right. nominee, but I think he's a really good guy yeah. and, and a great candidate, and I think he adds to the Democratic Party, and I have and, a feeling you know, that he has he a great polling, future in this party. He's number six, and that doesn't get a lot of attention. You're right. You're absolutely right. And, and, oh. and frankly, as, as the number six in the polls, he should be getting more media than he is because you've got people below him right. who are getting a lot more media than him. And, you know, I, I, you know that's problematic. And you know what? That's going to change because we got a strong gang gang. So okay. All we're right. going to make it happen. Keep at it, Julie. <laughs> Thanks, Thanks a lot Tom. for the call. Good talking to you. Kathy in Santa Rosa, California. Hey, Kathy, what's up? I don't want to get into the socialism label because everybody who is running under the Dem Democratic Party is going to be labeled a socialism. Democratic so Party, yes. It. There's no such yes. thing as a Democrat not, Party. No, I thought I said Democratic Party. Oh, perhaps you did. I'm sorry. I, I'm just hypersensitive about that, Kathy. Go continue. My apologies. Yeah. No, no so, so am I. <laughs> I don't want to get into this whole thing of, you know, because we're all going to be labeled that. I mean, yeah. we used to be labeled liberal, and then we didn't like that, so we changed our name. Yeah. So, but I, I have a concern about 
how we talk about this, and, and, and I've been trying to do something within my own inner circle, is like, what are we looking for outside of who can beat Trump? What's going to happen from January 20th on? Who do we want to govern the United States? And I think that really should be the question. I think we're, we're spending way too much time focusing on who can beat Trump. I think, frankly, any rational Democrat can beat Trump. Kathy, thank you for the call. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Until last year, I'd never endorsed a weight loss product, but I decided to change that after reading about university research into a molecule in olive oil that regulates appetite. My wife convinced me that there was one product that was worth sharing, and well, a year later, I have to say she was right. Louise said once her appetite and cravings were under control, losing weight was easy and she's kept it off. I also heard from listeners that it's worked for them, and now my producer, Sean, is trying Ridgizone, too. The fact that the only ingredient in Ridgizone occurs naturally in the body and is completely non-stimulant appealed to Louise and to Sean as well. Sean says she's not thinking about food or getting hungry between meals anymore, and she feels full longer after eating. Listen, if you're looking to lose weight this season, I strongly suggest you give non-prescription Ridgizone a try. Use the promo code TOM and receive up to 60% off plus free shipping. Go to Ridgizone.com. That's R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E.com. R-I-D-U-Zone.com. Ridgizone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgizone.com. Ridgizone.com. Promo code TOM. Ridgizone.com. Right now, Congressman Mark Pocan is with us. Congressman Pocan is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the great state of Wisconsin, the second district in the U.S. House of Representatives. Pocan.house.gov, P-O-C-A-N.house.gov is the website. His Twitter handle is Rep. Mark Pocan. Congressman, welcome back to the program. Oh, Tom, thanks so much. Glad to be here. It is super having you on every week. It is just great. So I understand Moscow Mitch has an owie. <laughs> A lot of news comes out every week, and your listeners always are on top of all of it. But this is one that I just think it's worth reinforcing. Moscow, Mitch, you know, with all he's doing to stop simple bills to try to protect our elections, is really offended and signaling he's offended by the nickname Moscow Mitch. He claims it's over the top. He's having all sorts of issues, claims he's a warrior, the Cold War warrior. And yet here he is doing the president's bidding by not taking up anything to actually protect our elections, especially all the things that were outlined in the Mueller report. So I just think people need to keep it up. It's clearly working. It's bugging him. And if it's bugging him, it's because he knows he's doing the wrong thing. And we need to at least pass several measures to the Senate on this specifically. But there's one that there's really no reason anyone should oppose that would protect our elections. And I think we need to keep the pressure on. Yeah, you know, there's a political action committee. I believe they're unique to Kentucky that's called Mad Dog Pack. Their logo is a bulldog. Okay. And they have bought billboards all over the state that say Moscow Mitch. Just yeah. Moscow Mitch with a giant picture of Mitch McConnell. And he is freaking out because billboards are really, really effective for political advertising. So anyhow, you're with us taking our listeners' yeah. calls. And let's just get started, all right? Sure. Okay, Jim in Los Angeles. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Tom. Yeah, it's oligarchs own Republicans. And, Congressman, I suggested legislation to go in and uh, search, just barge into every every detention center in this country. The legislation will take too long. We must charge them with crimes, with negligent homicide, with kidnapping, and with torture. The U.S. is torturing parents and children. The USA, you and I, are torturing children. Find the parents 
and go in with warrants. Find a DA in every state. Start with a corporate headquarters and go into every detention center in this country with warrants and with doctors and nurses and cameras and gather evidence. It has to be done. Can you please initiate it? Start the first one off. Yeah, Jim, I, I single-handedly cannot do something like that, but I agree that we do need to do even more than we've been doing on the detention centers. Uh, a lot of members of Congress have gone and visited, especially in the last couple months, these facilities. We saw just at the Homestead facility in Florida alone that had 2,700 people earlier this year, now has zero. But they were holding kids at $750 a day for a very long time until they got a good review, and then suddenly they could place people. Go figure, right? But uh, the conditions in these facilities, facilities varies greatly. Just in the last week, we saw congressional staff who work for oversight committees were turned down visiting some of these facilities. None of that is acceptable. So we have to hold them accountable in every possible way. And if they're not letting us in, we have to then send more people more often until they get the hint that they can't get away with the practices that are inhumane that have gone on far too long under this president with these facilities. Danny in Tell City, Indiana. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hello, Mr. Polkan. The question is, as in 2008-2009, the federal banks, commercial banks were gambling and caused the debacle or the crash, whatever you want to call it. And I've recently told that they poked holes in this Volcker rule, and they're doing it again. Is that true? There have been some changes around derivatives and a couple other areas. It's not nearly as extensive as 2008, but they're also busy doing things like stopping the watchdog office that we put in place and not having the oversight that if we have oversight, we can get ahead of this. If not, we could wind up with a slippery slope of bad practices. So I think some of that's the egregious steps that we've seen under this administration. Omar in Herndon, Virginia, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Good day to you, Mr. Polkan and Tom. Just really quick, a friend of mine was in Louisville, and he was part of a group that heckled Mitch McConnell, and they called him Moscow Mitch, and they said his face turned red. Hmm. Absolutely. So his face was just red. So he does not like that terms at all. But what I wanted to talk about, uh, Mr. Polkan, is that you know prior to Paul Ryan's departure, he was meddling with Social Security. He was talking about different things that he wanted to do. Trump also was looking at changing Social Security. Do we have any illustration there right now to strengthen, to prevent Social Security being taken over by these greedy Wall Street, these banksters like Jamie Dimon from Chase? Yeah, so let me answer it in two different ways, Omar. One, um, yes, there is a piece of legislation that actually strengthens Social Security. For many, John Larson from Connecticut is the author, and uh, Progressive Caucus, we've been helping promote that bill. I believe it just had a hearing before we left for break, and it might be even up for a committee vote in September. I forget the name of the bill right now. I apologize, but John Larson from Connecticut has it. It might just be as simple as strengthening Social Security. But secondly, though, with them not in charge of the House, there's no way we're going to do anything that's going to weaken Social Security. So even though Paul Ryan, part of his Ayn Rand growing up, he wanted to go ahead and do a lot of things to Social Security, and the Republicans in the Senate and the President still would, they can't uh, with us there. And that is why it's so important to have the House of Representatives, even more important if we can get the White House and the Senate. But we at least have a goalie in place on that. But I would love to see us put better, more proactive legislation like John Larson's, and I think people should really get behind that. Judd in Las Vegas, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. I went to the University of Phoenix back in the early 2000s, and I got signed up just a couple years ago where I'm no longer paying my, my payment, 
they've got me set up with a, a company called FedLoan. And I'm wondering, is this going to affect people who are already working towards their loans being forgiven or yeah. what have you? Judd, I don't know for sure, but let me just toss this to Congressman Fokan. The news reports are that Betsy DeVos has erected really, really high barriers for students who have been ripped off by for-profit colleges. President Obama put this into place in 2016. If, right. if you went to a for-profit college and they went out of business and you still have student debt, you know, and they were a scam like Trump University, then the federal government covers it. We've paid off $222 million worth of student loans. And Betsy DeVos has now said, in order for you to qualify for that, you must prove in a court of law that the company intentionally defrauded you. Right. Yeah. And, and so I am guessing a number of committees, but I'm hoping that my subcommittee, the Labor, Human Services and Education Subcommittee on Appropriations, will take this up when we get back and have a hearing because clearly that's unacceptable. That's not what the intent of the law change was. And, you know, these are some of the most predatory organizations that barely had an educational product, but they are really good at getting federal dollars, especially uh, people who served in the military. They're really good at getting people to take out big, big loans. And then obviously people, many, many people didn't get what they were promised. So call your member of Congress, Judd, to make sure that they're working for you on your individual case, and we'll work on the big picture through our committees in D.C. There we go. Congressman Pocan is the co-chair of the Congressional Progressive Caucus. He represents the 2nd District of Wisconsin. His website is pocan.house.gov, and you can tweet him at Rep. Mark Pocan. This is the Tom Hartman Program. D in Seattle, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, I wanted to ask about Alaska. Basically, Alaskans are concerned about a Russian floating nuclear plant that's going to be docked about 1,200 miles from the Anchorage, Alaska. It's called, well, it's been dubbed Chernobyl on ice. Congressman Pocan, your thoughts on Russia putting a nuclear reactor on a barge and floating it out into the Arctic Sea? Yeah, I haven't seen that. It sounds it's true. Um, it's actually uh, crazy, is it? Yeah. Okay, I have not seen that article. You know, again, part of our problem is when we don't decide to ever hold Russia accountable under this White House for anything they do, I don't expect Donald Trump to suddenly tell Vladimir Putin he's doing something wrong now because he hasn't over interfering with our elections or anything else. But clearly, uh, you know, to me, it reminds me when I was at high school and college with the MX missile system, right? Mm-hmm. When you're putting dangerous things on various, uh, you know, mobile platforms that certainly didn't make you any more secure and putting something like that out there seems like a really terrible idea given just in the last month we know they had an explosion with we're not sure if it had nuclear capacity or not in Russia and we can't really get information on that either so it would be something that should be very troubling to everyone. Yeah, amen. Mike in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yeah, thanks for taking the call. McCammon mentioned the billboard and the Moscow Mitch situation in this and I've often wondered why the progressive Democrats, because it would seem to be relatively inexpensive, didn't rent or purchase billboards uh, across various states that would put up the progressive Democrat message, whether it might Medicare for all or something like, you know, I'm sure you could fashion a cogent way of expressing it, but it's something people go by every day. I go by numerous billboards and they, you know, I would read them again and again. I think a lot of people would get educated that way. And I'm wondering if you would consider doing that. I'm with Mike. Yeah. 
Well, I think, you know, there's different uses of the billboards. I think something like Moscow Mitch, you're trying to brand something that's simple. I was a public relations major. You have to have, like, five to seven words at most on a billboard so people can actually read it. Moscow Mitch is understandable. Just putting Medicare for All up, I don't know if that says much about what we're trying to with that. But I do think and this is a good way, just like sometimes we use Twitter to get a reporter who's following to maybe write something. There are ways to generate stories relatively easily. And doing those billboards certainly has had generated that story in Kentucky. And that's a, a smart, and effective use of probably not all that many dollars compared to what we often spend on TV, you know, trying to do a lot of advertising where consultants make a lot of money. So I don't disagree, Mike. I think it's something we could use more often. I think you do have to use it in the right way because you can't convey a lot on a billboard, but you can certainly brand something like Moscow Mitch pretty easily. And it's a brand that's sticking. Denise in Calumet, Michigan, yeah. you're on the air with Congressman Focan. Hi, thanks, Tom. Congressman Focan, my question is about how Donald Trump is spitting in the face of the American people with the emoluments clause. It seems like he's just like stacking his pockets with money with all his motels and all the security that the taxpayers have to pay for him to have. And this thing with Pence out in Ireland now brings it even more into our face. What can be done? Yeah, this is part of what Judiciary Committee is looking at directly, but many of us have brought this up for a while, our concern about the Trump Hotel in D.C. and all the, especially foreign governments, getting rooms there. You know, you watch the Attorney General book the hotel for a party. You watched Mike Pence stay at a resort while he's in Europe, going out of his way to stay at a resort. You watch the President talk about the G7. I mean, this is wrong. This is why you have an emoluments clause, so a President can't profit off of their service as President, and yet he flaunts the use of that. So I think, you know, their committee is raising the profile through the process they have. We all need to keep talking about it. And I would hope that even people who might be undecided moving forward in a presidential race would find any president who does this and makes money so flagrantly against what the law is, that has to have a negative impact. And I think we just need to keep talking about it. Ron in Lake Comanche, California, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Ah, oh, good morning, Tom. Hi, Mark. I love hey, you, man. Right. You're a truth sayer and you're a truth seeker. Listen, we've been going to Antarctica for about 90 years to get uh, information, and it's about time that we deploy everything, air cars, electric cars, hydrogen cars. We need to eliminate all of the carbon that's coming out of the tailpipes for everybody in the world right now. That's how I feel. Okay. Congressman. Yeah, Ron, I think, you know, many states have been leading where we are right now with, with Donald Trump, obviously, in the White House. But, you know, Barack Obama tried to get us closer to making sure we had that as a goal. Now Donald Trump has turned that back. You've got states like California and others trying to be more aggressive. But I agree with you. I mean... You know, we have a, a Volt as one of our cars, and you know, there's no reason that we can't be moving to that technology more f quickly and more efficiently. And you know, just the amount of money we invest in energy research in this country at the federal level is about, I believe, a third. The last time I looked at what we spend on NASA, we really need to expand on that greatly because this is something that is a crisis, and we need to put some real effort and real resources and look at things like you're talking about to get just there. Do you think that Congress is, you know, is there any possibility of anything before the elections? 
you know, we've got our appropriations process that's coming up. There's some, although because the Senate hasn't done a single thing, it's probably going to be messy again. Continuing a resolution, a few people in leadership doing an omnibus bill up or down. The timeline is between now and the end of the year. I think it's going to be hard to see anything happen next year um, unless there's great consensus. And in this issue, the oil companies and, and others own the Republican Party. So we've got a short window if there is. There you go. You're listening to Tom Hartman. I've got an important message for all my listeners. Economists will tell you that rising gold prices are an indicator of a failing currency. Well, gold is already up over 10% just since January and up over 33% in the last three years. What is all this really telling us? Well, the last crash was just a warning. It's only been papered over with trillions of dollars in new debt, and statistically, the next crash is already overdue. This reality has pushed the demand for precious metals to price levels not seen in nearly six years. The time to buy gold is now, before the crash and before the next price increase. The big questions everyone asks are, who can I trust and what types of gold do I buy? Call my friends at ITM Trading at one 888 gold The proper gold and silver strategy will help secure all your major assets, including your entire wealth portfolio. Call ITM Trading at one 888 gold Ask them for their free gold protection guide and secure your wealth while you still can. That's 1-888-O-W-N-G-O-L-D. one own gold Barbara in Bellevue, Washington. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Yes. Hi. I'd like to hear Congressman's comments about the article that I read in today's paper. Secretary of Defense SB has approved diverting funds from military construction spending to pay for the border wall, $3.6 million. Billion. $3.6 billion, sorry, with the comment that those funds will be backfilled. So, in essence, we're paying yeah. double. Doesn't anyone see this bait and switch? <laughs> uh, your comments. Thank yeah. you. Barbara, thank you so much for raising that. I've got some local reporters say, and this is one of the issues we're going to talk about, because on that list were some housing facilities for soldiers in Wisconsin that could potentially be part of that money that's going to go inside to the wall. But it's not true that that'll be backfilled, because Congress has to do that. We allocated the money, and they've stolen it, and the Department of Defense says they still need that money for those programs, but the president just stole it for a wall, and we don't have additional dollars to backfill it. So that's not true. And instead, what's going to happen is those priorities that had to have happened that the military said they need, including at Fort McCoy in Wisconsin, if it makes the list and we should get the actual final list today, is not going to happen because the president, instead of having Mexico is paying for it, now he's having soldiers paying for it. And that, again, is not what we were promised. So it is not true that that money will still get backfilled and those projects will happen. So I think once that list comes out today, a lot of us are going to be talking about this in our districts, what we're losing money for so that the president continue his folly. Might the Republicans not simply add that to the next defense appropriations bill and thereby, as she pointed out, kind of essentially getting around the whole thing? No, because we've already done that bill out of the House. The Senate hasn't uh, yet. But actually, I take it back. They have. They've done their authorization. So we've both done the authorizations, I believe, now. I'd have to look so at it. So it, it has to wait two years, the then, right? It's every two years you do military appropriations, well, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not as easy as them saying, oh, yeah, they're just going to backfill it, because that's going to be new funds. Where's that going to come from? So, you know, once again, the president's not offering all the truth. Go figure. I know you're shocked. <laughs> but in this case, it's going to be across the country. I think half the money was in the 
United States, half was overseas. But, you know, on the original list of potentials was the money that we had for improve the barracks at Fort McCoy, and that means people who are in our volunteer army instead are going to have crappy facilities so that the president, instead of having Mexico pay for his wall, can try to justify his folly. And I think we really need to keep talking about this. So, Barbara, thank you so much for bringing this subject up. Brilliant. Gail in Antelope, California. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi, Congressman Pocan. I have a question I wanted to ask you. I watched a program the other night, and it was a psychologist basically giving an evaluation that some 27 psychologists had come to, and they said that basically they came to three conclusions that, you know, Trump is erratic, that he's becoming more erratic, and that he will eventually become uncontainable. So my question is, is if he is defeated in the election, and he absolutely says, I'm not leaving, this whole thing is bogus, it's fake, I'm staying in office, and what are you going to do about it? What exactly happens at that point? I know it's a constitutional crisis, but what does that mean? Do you send the big bad Yeah, yeah you're right on that. And um, I think, you know, it's one of those hypotheticals. I don't know if we've quite got to the figure out. I do think just based on some of the stuff we got from the Mueller report, that there are some people within, still in the upper administration within the White House that, you know, care about the country more than the cult leader, Donald Trump, that seems to be, you know, the Republican Party these days seems to be a cult of Donald Trump. And I think that, you know, one, it would be a pretty big step for him to do that, even though I agree, you know, the narcissism and other things are pretty obvious within how he operates. But I, I do think that we would have some safety layers to make sure that that wouldn't happen. But the fact that we even have to have a serious conversation about this shows how poorly off we are right now in this country with this guy as our president. Gabriel in Lamar, Colorado. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Hi. My question is kind of an old question. My wife was a teacher in Wisconsin, and mm-hmm. her union was stripped as well as a public works union, but the police union was not stripped of their rights to organize, basically. And I always thought it was kind of like uh, pretty much against the law to do that. Wouldn't you think so? Yeah, well, Gabriel, I can tell you, I I was around when we had those attacks on public employees in Wisconsin. Scott Walker did not go after police and fire, I think because those are hard public employees to go after because of the the safety sort of aspect that they cover. But I'll tell you, our firefighters and police stood out in trying to be there in unity with all public employees. In fact, our firefighters became very hyper-political during that time and were there every single day as we had 40,000 protesters, 100,000-plus on the weekends during that time. Firefighters were front and center. So I do think that they didn't ask for it. It was something Scott Walker did to try to save a little face. He didn't win much by doing that. And what we've learned from this is it was a political move. It wasn't because there was any reason to go after it. They just wanted to destroy unions thinking they could destroy the Democratic Party. And guess what? That's why Scott Walker's not governor anymore. And, you know, hopefully as we fix some of the gerrymandering around the country, we can fix some of these state and local laws that have hurt our public employees from being able to organize and have a voice in their workplace. So, Congressman, what, what are you expecting to ha- happen? I saw a news report that there will be articles of impeachment coming forward in October. What do you know about this? Nothing specific. I think a lot of this has been put out every month for quite a while. Um, I do think that Judiciary Committee under Jerry Nadler has been very clear that they're under an investigation. That's the language that's been filed with the courts. You know, I think inquiry was the language that most of us were looking for. I don't know how semantically different this will be, but they're supposedly doing everything they can to get witnesses to come forward so they can then decide if they're going to actually, as a committee, draft articles of impeachment. But I think that's the committee to really watch 
watch on this because while other people have drafted articles of impeachment, I think we all know that that's the committee where the action is going to happen. So Jerry Nadler is really going to be one of the most uh, point persons in this process in the next 60 days. Yeah. Okay. Mike in Buffalo, New York. I just got a question for you. Doesn't the president have a right to move funds around? And wasn't that whole thing litigated and the Supreme Court said that it was legal for him to do that? Congressman? Yeah, I think you can do it, but you should have a real reason to do it. And again, the wall is not a real reason. It's not just me as a progressive Democrat saying that. The last appropriation process under Paul Ryan, the, the both years under Paul Ryan, uh, they, the Republicans who are in the majority in the House and the Senate, uh, put language in that said no money could go towards any designs after, and I forgot what month it was, which is when the designs came out for the wall. So even the Republicans when they were in charge, knew it was dumb to put money to the wall. So the fact that the president's stealing it now from things like barracks for soldiers in order to justify the wall that he desperately wants is not exactly an emergency or necessary, especially when he told us Mexico is going to pay for that. So I think our beef really is what's more important, our soldiers and the money that goes for them or this fantasy of a wall. Amir in Chicago, you're on the air with Congressman Pocan. That's a really quick Thank question. You. So we know that Donald Trump, he's a known cheater, right? And it's pretty clear that he cheated during the general election. Basic intuition would lead me to believe that he cheated during the primaries as well. I know that there were some irregularities with polling, I believe in December or January, just prior to the Republican primaries jumping off. What's the possibility of being able to start some investigations along those lines and being able to peel away some of the Trump voters? You know, I'll tell you, I think the people that are the hardcore Trump people are going to be there, whether he cheats or steals or does much of the lying that he does on a, on a daily basis, as long as he doesn't like people with brown and black skin. Unfortunately, there is a very large contingent that's with him based on racism and that alone, and they let him get away with absolutely anything. I don't know if going back to the primaries, I don't think there is as much from my recollection that we could really go off of that, but we do have to realize that this guy didn't win the national vote, for one. We know that we've got to look at some of these states where the Electoral College is going to really matter, including my home state of Wisconsin. But I think he's had the biggest drop-off of any state that he won is in Wisconsin, thanks to what he's doing with the tariffs right now. So I would rather focus, I think, a little bit on that. Let's focus on what he's done illegal and that we need to do in Congress. Let's focus on what he's doing right now to farmers and others in the economy and try to convince people that way. But I don't think you're going to pull away a lot of Republican voters that his base is. I think we just need to make sure that people who are still undecided or independent understand what this guy's about, and I don't see that being very appealing to them. Bob in Burlington, Vermont. You're on the air with Congressman Pocan. Thank you, Tom. I'd like to first make a comment. When you follow up on that little ditty that you make at the end of the show about democracy not being a spectator sport, and you actually get elected, the downside is you don't get to listen to Tom Hartman much anymore. Um, (laughs) What I'd like to bring up is... These emails that are coming around to a lot of state legislators to uh, basically get people to sign on to this idea of a constitutional convention being a great thing. They're getting their numbers up there significantly. Most of it, the impact is a lie, and I think it's, you know, there's only one Koch brother left, but he's not insignificant. I don't think we're talking about that enough, and I'd like to promote the idea that ending Citizens United, you might get a lot more than you bargained for. Okay, Bob. Uh, There's actually two competing narratives here, Congressman. There is the Koch brothers are promoting this idea of an actual 
Constitutional Convention. They've been rehearsing it year after year after year in D.C. They're up to 30 some odd states. They need 34 to call it and 37 to ratify it to literally rewrite the Constitution like from the ground up. On the other hand, there is one progressive group out there that is calling for a, quote, constitutional convention just to rewrite Citizens United or just to overturn Citizens United. I think constitutional convention is the wrong way to do that. I think that he's conflating the two of these in that comment. So your thoughts? I think going the constitutional convention route, I believe there are three states from ratification, and it's not done by people who are trying to do things that we care about. It's people with a very specific agenda. So I'd be cautious about opening that up for any issue. Yeah, there you go. Robert in Spokane, you're in the year with Congressman Pocan. This is Robert, and I have a question for you. I am a Republican, but I'm respectful. I'm, the, the economy question, the, economy, the uh, Green New Deal really worries me, and I don't mind paying for it. But my biggest concern is why do we have to pay for other countries you know, portions of it. And China gets an exemption for 20 years. You know, why is that fair to us? Well, Robert, I think the idea is that because we have such a big economy, first of all, we're doing what we need to do to help protect the environment. But two, if we make these changes, companies are going to change the products they put out there because you're not going to have multiple different products out there. So any initiatives that we take on this not only will help to have you know, a cleaner environment, but also if we take the initiative, we're going to have those jobs here and we'll be leading on that front as well. So there's no reason that we shouldn't be doing this. And, you know, a lot of that's talking points, a lot of reasons not to do it. But if you really put any thought into it, you don't not do anything because someone else isn't doing anything. Instead, we take the initiative, we create those jobs here, we fix our economy and grow our economy because of it, and the markets are going to change to follow that because we are such a big part of it, and then they're going to be behind. So I don't see any logic to the the argument that I know has been put out there that you're mentioning. Yeah, but this is the talking point of the fossil fuel industry. Congressman, we've got 20 seconds left. What should we be looking for in the week ahead? This is your last couple days that people are home. Next week, we're all back in Washington. So if you see a a member of Congress somewhere, uh, take advantage of it in your district. But then we're going to be back, and it's going to be really busy because we're going to have a continuing resolution. Our fiscal year ends September 30th. We're going to try to take care of gun violence prevention legislation, look for talks on infrastructure, prescription drugs. It's going to be a busy floor period. Be active, be aware. Okay, you got it. Congressman Pocan, thanks so much for being with us. Of course, Tom. Thank you, as always. Thank you. Great talking with you. You're listening to Tom Hartman. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this uh, kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag, you're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait.
Auto Trader.